Welcome to the Lazy People Podcast, the podcast about all things technology and people and technology in Belgium, of course, from outside of Belgium. My name is Errol Baikal, and I'm here with my co-host, Metzian. With us on the show today is Kevin Van Dievel, uh, who is a digital designer. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Can you tell us what a digital designer is? Hey, Kevin. Hi, Errol. Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me. Um, a digital designer is, I think I'm, I'm one of the few people who calls myself a digital designer. A lot of people call themselves a UI designer or a UX designer or maybe a product designer. Um, but I think I do a lot of different things. I, I work on user interfaces. I work on web design. I do a bit of branding. So I feel that the term digital designer covers most of those things that I do. Mm -hmm. I agree. I, I actually, this is the first time I, I heard that. And uh, when you give the explanation, it really makes sense to me because I've heard of UI designers, UX designers, web designers, graphic designers. And many times when I talk to a person who is in this field, they do multiple of those things, right? But they have to choose one. Well, uh, yeah, it's true. I would I would love to call uh, myself a digital software engineer, but it just would be too redundant, right? Because all of software is digital in a sense. But you know, at, uh, so yeah. Uh, I I, yeah. I agree with Matt. I like the term in that uh, it it really uh, uh, speaks to the imagination more. I think because maybe it's because we're in the field, Kevin that we understand uh, where you come from with this term. Yeah. Um, what Matt says about, you know, all software is digital. Um, there's a popular job title going around, which is a product designer. And I think the industry more or less agrees as to what a product designer does. And I, I do think it's a, a very good term for what I do. But for me, product design has always been physical product design, someone who does, um, who designs laptops, someone who designs chairs. Um, and it's, it's not what I do. And I think a lot of my clients who aren't in the tech space necessarily, they, they also make that association that a product designer is someone who designs physical products. So if I put on my website, I'm a freelance product designer, uh -huh. I feel like people aren't going to get the message of okay, you'll you'll be contacted by people so, like hey we're going to design this awesome new chair kevin can you design this new chair for us yeah and, oh probably sure you could <laughs> if they if they see my work they know it's i'm, I'm i don't design physical products but it's just a, a, the, if it's the first thing you're putting on your website i'm a product designer i just want to avoid the confusion that it could have for some people so so question then if i need if i create let's suppose a uh, a new soft drink, right? You know, I'm going to compete with Coke, with Coca-Cola. Mm -hmm. uh, and I need like a design for the label. That's something you would do, right? It's something I could do. Um, but I think like a graphic designer would probably be more suited to that um, or a print designer, maybe. It, that's that's the thing I'm, I focus less on is on the, the pure graphic design or print design. It's definitely something I do because I do some branding work as well. Okay, this and surprises me I'm, uh, as, you know, uh, maybe it's because we're very close to you in that we work with, like in our day-to-day -day lives as software designers, we get in, we have contact with uh, UI designers, graphic designers, like designers, you know, those folks with their MacBooks and their, <laughs> <laughs> and their hipster clothes or, you know, whatever, like the, uh, the designers are there and we interact with them, but still, I feel when you're when you tell me that okay a label is not something for me to design this shows me how little we actually know about w how you see what you do so now you said okay i'm a digital designer but i do feel comfortable with the title product designer but because of the meaning of it out of the, the industry i would prefer to use digital designer because it comes closer to what i do so i'm gonna maybe uh rephrase the question um uh how would you describe like what are the things that a digital designer does design? What are the things that a digital designer does not design? And is it 
is a product designer within the industry of technology, um, very much diff different than a digital designer? Um, I think it's because it's such a broad term, it, it's hard to pin a, a few different things to it that a digital designer does. So I, for example, I specialize in user interfaces. I do a lot of web design and I do branding work, which is all digital mm -hmm. or mostly digital. Branding also has some, some physical design to it. Um, but a lot of graphic design is also digital. There is motion design, which is also digital, but those are branches that I don't focus on. Um, so maybe digital is too broad, but then again, I'm a UI web brand designer is, is also quite a mouthful yeah, to say. It's quite a mouthful, yeah. So I use the term because I feel like it's, it more describes what I do. And I also don't want to limit myself because I, I can do a bit of graphic design. You know, I, I do I, I do some print design as well. Um, I dabble a bit in motion in my spare time um, or, or when a project needs a little bit, but it's, it's not what I focus on. Yeah, I know, Matt, you, you jokingly said, you know, I should call myself a digital software developer, but in a way, the, the recognizable thing of what Kevin explains to me here is that, okay, you call yourself a software developer and then you, you know, you're specifying it. But even though you're, for example, in, in the field of mobile, um, for example, I would say that my specialties, I've been working with, with maps in mobile for, for so many years um, now that, um, you know, you have another niche there. And of course, you have other skills as well that, that are, um, uh, that can put software into production. So it makes it... Uh, difficult to to define what you do i for example end up calling myself i think a software engineer uh is is, is my job title on on cards um uh but uh there is you know definitely less variation in what i do at my customer than what you seem to be doing so when i go to to uh to work I do mobile software development, but for you, this could be like mm -hmm. one of many things yeah. that are in your belt, which makes picking the title part of the exercise. Yeah, yeah that's what, true. What some people would not realize is, um, the, so graphics did exist even before computers. Uh, one time I went to visit a friend <laughs> and, um, and they had um, this um, um, kind of promotional, almost like posters, you would you would say, but this were like he said, well, this one is from the 50s and uh, it was done in so-and-so that was created. So they had these techniques to create graphics, right? Which was not only, not just painting, right? It's not a paint, it's not a, a, a you know, a painting like they, like you would simply do like an artist does, right? But it's like, it had graphics um, and this were done not digitally. It was nothing digital about them back then. So. To me, it makes total sense, but maybe people will not get this, right? I mean, I'm sure you, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure you fall into the, you know, when, 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 uh, when the grandma calls, oh, I heard you're a programmer. Can you fix my computer? It's a, uh, it's Windows Vista. It's slow, you know? Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's, uh, but okay. Uh, I, to me, it's clear, huh? To me, it's like it's 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 also not just clear. It's really nice. Uh, I'd love to you know, to have digital in my title because it it does uh, um, encapsulate what I do is like all digital. I mean, it's not like I don't work with anything. Yeah. You know, even yeah. I think I think we did something that wasn't fully digital. Although at the end, um, Errol, if you remember the our logo, uh, that was mm -hmm. truly a lazy people's logo, right? It was manually mm -hmm. done, huh? Mm -hmm. yes, <laughs> this is true. It was just uh, on, on, paper. on paper. We digitized it. Yeah, we digitized it. Was, uh, <laughs> we digitized so yeah, it. as far as the title, you have my blessing. <laughs> yeah. If if my job, if I only focused on one thing, it would probably be a lot easier. You know, I could say I'm a brand designer. There's branding agencies out there, but they also design websites because a website is an important part of your branding as well. Um, but it, it's just yeah I, I have trouble focusing on one thing is this 
may be an issue because you're a freelancer. Like, I can imagine if you were uh, on a payroll somewhere, you wouldn't have to think this much about how can I, in, in one word, describe what I do? Because the designer design okay, because <laughs> now I, this got me thinking. If you if you go to my website uh, bikeal.be, which you shouldn't, because it's horribly outdated, <laughs> you'll also see like okay, uh, Errol does this, this, and these things because you know um, I'm also a freelancer and um, you're uh, looking for work and and customers. Uh, so um, if you say I'm a I'm a web designer. And there's UI work, which you can also do. It might miss you. And by mm -hmm. saying digital designer, you basically create a very broad scope, uh, which uh, can bring in new customers. Yeah. Um, like you said, if, if you're in a company, it, it's not hard to figure out what your title is. And in most companies, there's just designers and you might have junior designers and senior designers or uh, a lead designer but most designer profile profiles are just tagged as a designer if you're in a call with a client they'll say this is kevin and he's our designer mm -hmm. but indeed for people looking to hire a designer they're looking for a, someone who can do the specific thing that they need um and then yeah. You need the extra terms, uh, which makes it complicated because I I can do a lot of different things. It, it, uh, all, if yeah, sorry if I'm interrupting. Uh, it's also like if you are if you are not a freelance, that that title is basically assigned to you. You don't have a choice on it. So um, mm. now you mm. have the choice or the flexibility to kind of choose what you want, and so it kind of puts you mm. in, this, in yeah. Uh, in a state where you have to choose something or you have to be creative even in, in say okay this is best fit for me um mm -hmm. when yeah if you're within a fixed company that's simply like you say um it's not just you're present like this but the title is simply assigned to you because hr decided well we have this titles in our company yeah um you know um hey i wanna um you know, we, we've been uh, discussing the, the, the title of, <laughs> yeah. of uh, digital designer for, for more than 10 minutes now. Um, and uh, I think that just shows how much thought can go into, into choosing a title. But the nice thing about having a designer on the show, sorry, Kevin, <laughs> is because uh, I have some questions for you from, a, uh, you know, from a developer to a designer. Okay. Um, so... Uh, is design a science or an art? Oof. Um, most designers, when they start their career, I think they they think of it as an art. Um, I also started as more of a graphic designer when when I was very young. I focused on graphic design, um, and after that, I I moved into uh, web design and UI design and then you start to see that it's it's more than just making it look nice and then I think it does move from being art to being a science but maybe science you know maybe maybe the design is just a, a branch of its own why does it have to be art or science why isn't design its own category of of things because it's a different set of processes you go through I think um, you know art is all about um, creating emotions connecting with people making things look look nice whereas science is about um, proving things trying something um, using mathematics or, or, or something else to understand something about the world mm -hmm. and then I think design might be somewhere in the middle where you focus on shaping things um, and 
what? Okay. How, yeah, how people interact with it's. What, it's to me, it's hard to to uh, explain. I think. Yeah. So so to me, when we, we talk about art or science, I could I could rephrase it different. I understand you want to put a different category, but okay, I'll put it this way. This is what what means to me when I say this is science. Uh, if it's science, that means I could describe it to anybody, and they will be able to replicate it, do the same thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so I mean. Yeah, maybe the word I was looking for was methodology. Uh, I, I, yeah, okay. yeah. Point. Well, I, yeah. I think we use it. We all use like you know art or science in 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 this sense, right? And in in art part, it, that's where we you could explain to someone like multiple times, and you cannot, you will not be able to do it. And someone else could come up with something completely unseen, and it would make you feel good, right? When you you experience with it, would be good. So I think that's the the. Well, let me put. It, I'll, I'll I'll rephrase the question actually. Well. What's the purpose? Is it just to make people happier? Is it making people happy or making their their processes better? Uh, make them feel good uh, because they saw something new, or is it something that simple simplifies their lives? What do you What do you do? I mean, I think for us to to to, to help even with this, I think a software engineer cannot solves problems. There's an issue, we find a solution to it. Whether the solution is good or bad or uh, intuitive, that comes. You know, yeah. what, what, what? But maybe to reduce the scope of the question, can we focus on um, Kevin Dundeevil, the uh, UI, UX designer persona? It's because I know you also do web and, um, and graphics mm -hmm. as well. So um, this is also closer to what we do, like software development. So if you do UI, UX, I, I, I like my question, which, which problem do you solve then? Um, I think the design is more it's not about making people happy it's about helping people reach their goal and the goal could be anything um so you're you're the problem you're solving then is how do i help a user reach that goal in the most efficient way and if you make him happy in that process that's a, that's a nice bonus you have um so it, it's more like optimizing or, or also solving. Uh, I'll put it this way: when, when, uh, when, for example, Google says, "I have material design that we're going to use everywhere," at some point it becomes like some anybody picks up a, a phone with material design, they know what to do, right? They're not going to look for a button; mm -hmm. they know this button is going to be here to be able to achieve this. Or if I look in this menu, I would expect to find the about here. In, in this menu, not in the file, but in, 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 in you know, in their help, for example, uh, things like these, mm -hmm. right? Um, so is that simply optimizing? Because someone could still, um, be, the problem could be solved, right? But it would be confusing, it might take longer, longer time to find what you need. It's, it's a combination of the two, okay. I think. Um, and early in the process, it's more about finding a solution to the problem. Um, once you have a, a working solution or a somewhat working solution, maybe a prototype of it, um, then it becomes about optimizing it. Um, when you have something working or you have a prototype, you can go to a user, you can have them interact with it. You have data from your application that's, that's live. Um, and you can, the initial problem you solved might might not be ideal or it might not, not might not be perfect so you start optimizing it you start looking for ways to to find to improve your solution or to add to your solution um, to even better help your user so it moves from finding a solution so it moves from solving to to testing with the data you have and then it moves to optimizing your original solution. Okay. And in that optimizing process, there's also there's also an element of, of solving. You know, you, you might not be solving your original problem, but you might be solving a, a, a very specific problem that that came in your original solution, or that's a, that's um, a consequence of your original solution. I'm thinking. Okay. Um, Here's, here's another parallel to draw with, with software designing then, if you, if you call it that way, or software development. 
is that um, you said, I want to help the user achieve their goal. So do we. Mm -hmm. Isn't that funny? We, we feel like uh, when we code, we help the customer achieve their goal. But you again yeah. feel like, oh, I, I need to help them achieve their goal. How do mm -hmm. these two things like live uh, side by side? Um, uh, and you seem to solve for a problem that we think we already solved. <laughs> you know, like, oh, here, here's, here's, uh, here's a class and there's got these uh, methods in it. And, you know, it'll do what the customer wants it to do. And then you come in and say, oh, hold on. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to make them. Uh, uh, I'm going to help them do what they want to do. Um, it, it's that's just exactly why designers and developers work so closely together. Um, and m most of the time, they're just working together, working on the same problem, but they're looking at it from different angles. Um, and sure, you can you can create a product. Um, that's entirely built by developers, but they just don't have, they look at it from a different way. And if you if you get a designer on board um, on a working product built by developers, he's gonna, he's gonna see a lot of things that they might not have thought of um, that could still improve the product. And I think, um, I think a lot of developers or engineers, I'm not going to circle back to the title discussion. Um, I think a lot of engineers have worked on just a few different projects um, because I think that the, the, the life cycle of a software project from a development standpoint is quite a bit longer than a designer's <clears throat> life cycle in a project. So as a designer, I've worked on 50, 100, 150 projects in the eight years I've been working. And I start noticing patterns throughout different projects I've done. There are different problems or there are very similar problems, but I've done the work to find a solution, to implement that solution and see the result of it. And somewhere in my mind is, is a collection of of all those patterns mm -hmm. and all the results that come from implementing those patterns. So if I start a new project, um, I can see what a developer has, is trying to do with his product. And I, 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 I see the problem and I see the patterns inside that product or the, the patterns that could be used to solve that problem. And without, without thinking too much about it, as a designer, I can bring improvements to the product. I think and this is, yeah, this is your experience eh, that you're, that you're yeah. talking about. And um, fair point, um, because you see a lot more, uh, it's easier for you to discern the patterns and uh, draw parallels or see where this deviates from the rest. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and speaking out of, oh, go ahead. No, Mark. I just want to, to point out, I think this is the part that would make someone say, uh, uh, that the the work that you do is scientific in a sense because now you, you see a you know the the business solution to it automatically because you have seen you you you're familiar with it it's it's almost like became wired yeah you can replicate yeah. things yeah. which is yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, also funny that you're uh, uh, talking about patterns uh, and design patterns of course um, uh, software developers you know we we also tend to uh, try to see things in patterns. Um, but uh, I think this came with experience of, for you for, you know, being in a lot of different projects. You know, you bring this knowledge of how the neighbor does it or what the best practices in the industry, you bring that along and you can see solutions that the software developer might not see because they only did, like you say, maybe three projects in their life. And you, by that point, you're on your 50th. So you say, okay, don't put that button there, you know, because we've already seen that this doesn't work. Mm -hmm. um, so this makes me uh, think about something you, you said to me is that uh, over the years, I've learned that there is no such thing as perfect design. Okay. Yeah. Um, this is another thing you experienced. Um, can you tell us more what you mean by that? Does this mean 
you're, you're terrible at your job and you just tell people there's no perfect design here take this and go away or yeah, it's, what does it's that just mean? an easy it's just an easy way out of saying you know nothing's perfect um no but i, I think um it's it's definitely something that i i thought in earlier in my career that there's always one perfect solution but now with the years of experience i have i've come to learn that that's in in a lot of cases not going to say all the cases that's just not true um every decision you make every design designs decision you make is going to be a trade-off um you're you have a problem or you have a set of requirements a b and c you can keep running around in circles looking at the problem from different angles and and looking for something that ticks off a b and c but you're not going to get there you know you might think i need more time um but from my experience it doesn't exist so if you have if you make a decision and you come up with a solution that solves for a and b but not for c that can still be a valid solution as long as you're aware of the fact that you're making the trade-off for c mm -hmm. and then later in a, in a in a later phase you can still try to come up with a solution for c maybe in a different section of your website or or if in uh mm -hmm in a different solution yeah um of course i think you, you also need the uh required experience to understand that um c might not be that important you know you that you prioritize it's a it's a thing that comes out of experience as well um i you know i i for for the disclosure for people that are listening i did work with kevin um together uh i think you you're an awesome designer um like you really really uh, made me rethink about what the designer should do and can do um you always seem to pour in like real passion and and soul and thought into things that are being designed and you choose cooperation with all the parties that are involved so um uh, those are awesome things and i think uh, that's why the designs that that you produced in my opinion were uh, good maybe because i feel like i had some something to say in it so that, that <laughs> might be egoistical um but if there is you know the, the things you you gave us they might not have been perfect i agree but they were good okay mm -hmm. we we really they were a step huge step forward from what we had and they, they were a good direction to walk into yeah i i'm there with you um, so coming back to the question of whether uh, design is a science or an art slash methodology uh, or a way of working. So let's say there is no such thing as perfect design or the perfect design is an asymptotic ideal. We cannot really reach it. We can only strive for it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, is it possible to say that there is such a thing as garbage design? <laughs> <laughs> which is the opposite because then uh, i would like to know what if you cannot measure it like if it's not scientific or methodology based what defines garbage design or really bad design well uh, let me let, let me let me let me start with answering with, with putting one thing on, the, on you know to, let's start up with this at least inconsistency i think it would be really bad for for design mm -hmm. yeah i think yeah. Yes, in modern software, um, consistency uh, is, is is a huge plays a huge role in in having a, a finished or um, a polished product. Um, I think it's definitely one of the basics that a lot of designers do focus a lot on. Um, it's a bit of a double-edged sword, you know. Sometimes you need to know where you can deviate from the consistency because you can also you can also go too far in it you know you, you can stick to the patterns or the components you already have even though the the actual experience of using that application could be improved so much if you just deviated from what was already there um, mm -hmm. but yes consistency is definitely a big part of 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 good design um, but 
garbage design <laughs> I, I like the term um i think just bad design would be if it doesn't help the user in achieving his goal or if the solution you've designed is worse than what it was before it might look nicer um, oh, okay now you're works, saying i was gonna say if you it know. works poorly mm -hmm. The typical example is, for example, Craigslist, which was designed like in somewhere in the 1990s, I think. Um, and it looks terrible, but it's functional and people know how it works. Um, yeah, you can definitely make it look better, but why, why fix what ain't broke, you know? Um, mm -hmm. Another example is, for example, the Bloomberg terminal. I don't know mm -hmm. if you've ever heard of it. It's a... Um, it's it's an actual computer, I think, or it used to be. Maybe now it's just a software package you buy. Um, specialized in financial data, so it's used by you know guys spending millions a day buying stocks, uh, looking at mm -hmm. all the data. And there's a huge manual that comes with the software package, like maybe a thousand pages, and it it looks terrible. It looks similar to um teletext with, with like you've only got four colors to work with and everything is in a mono in a mono uh, spaced font um but it works and the people that use it they pride themselves in the fact that they know how to work with it because they took the time to read the manual and they you, they you, know how you it mean works. the robot they use it right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now it's all robots, I guess. Well, I mean, these people, uh, they, if they can appreciate it, they're probably not humans. <laughs> anyway, just a bad joke. Sorry. But I just want to uh, also know, like, did you think, do you think that's good design, the Bloomberg one? Or was that an example of bad design? Well, there was a, a large um, design agency. I, I can't quite remember which one it was. It might have been IDEO. Um, and either Bloomberg um, approached them to redesign it or they did it by themselves, I'm not sure. They tried to redesign it to make it more modern, but the users, they didn't like it. Exactly for that reason, they, they, they were an elitist club mm -hmm. using the Bloomberg terminal and they don't want it to be user-friendly because if it's user-friendly, then everybody can start using the Bloomberg terminal. Wow. So, so yeah, they solved for a problem that was not in the interest of the of the user group. Yeah, they wanted to be inaccessible. Okay. Well, uh, so for for that case, I think um, it's a bit complex because um, so the keyboard can also color coded and special keys, and it, it's 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 complex. It's a complex solution, so it takes more than the um, so. Well, let me put it this way. Um, uh, I think I think okay. I'll, I'll go with the next topic because it's related, if if you don't mind. So, um, so how does time affect design? And and it might be like in this case, like for example, with time we see, for example, so if you look at mobile phones, we dropped a lot of keys, right? Now we a lot of buttons. So now we have like just screens, mm -hmm. right? Which is if you had told someone back in the day, they had a actual keyboard on a phone. You know, like uh, the the blackberries and all. The good old days, the blackberries. The good old days, yeah. Nokia's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So things do change, right? So and again, if you just look at the just like it just any 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 OS, right, from the previous version to the new one or any app, it has changed a lot. But back then, that was great. You know, when we saw it, it was fantastic. And if we mm -hmm. go back to it now, if we just look at it, which we would have testified before that it was good, now we would it would seem bad, which means our our um, judgment or our scale to judge has mm -hmm. been you know altered with <laughs> somehow uh, I, I want to throw in my two cents yeah. in this one i know kevin we have you on the show too, too <laughs> as the designer but I, I think this is such an interesting question matt um the, the time factor isn't this directly related to the available technology factor so the, the artist, the designer, the craftsman saying, I do my best with the tools I have, mm -hmm. right? 
isn't that why back in those days when touch screens weren't as uh, accurate uh, as, as they as they are now like with the iPhone um, we, we got this uh, the, the the mainstreamization of of more accurate touch screens for example which helped us pave the way for removing the buttons uh, we, we didn't have these battery lives we didn't have the the resolutions we didn't have the uh, the color screens we didn't have the connectivity and uh, so the artist there solves for uh, the problem with the tools they have and I think it's just because the tools evolve people come also also come up with it now I have a new problem right so it's an it's this everlasting process of uh, mm -hmm. yin yang almost well, let me uh, let me interject actually sorry to you know if um, I don't want to you know. No, that's okay. We can drop No, what I want to say is this. I think I think if you give if you take all this technology to say, right? And this is a higher resolution and, and all the you know, billion colors that we're reaching now and whatever, right? You give him all this to someone back in the the year two thousand, they will still not give you a result that you're used to today. And because I, I again what I mentioned last was like the scale we judge with keeps changing, keeps moving. So uh, mm -hmm. again, I'll let, I'll let Kevin. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Kevin, yeah. 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 Sorry for. Uh... No, but I, it's. I don't think you even need to go that far back. In, indeed, you. We didn't have touch screens or usable touch screens back in the day. Um, if you just look at the past five years. Um, apart from the, the actual devices we interact with, if you look at the, the code behind it, the way that HTML, CSS, and JavaScript has evolved in five years, it's enabled a lot of new experiences for the web. Um, and you don't even have to go back 20 years. If you do look at just the devices that we interact with, I think we're moving to um, either an, an AR-based interface or a VR based interface um, and even further than that we're moving to a no UI you're, you're, we're talking about audio interfaces um, and I don't know yet what my role as a designer is going to be in that in that industry where audio interfaces are the standard you know Siri is, is more or less useless and, and Google uh does does pretty well um but it's gonna it's gonna evolve to a much more advanced point um where if, if you don't need to open up your uber app to order a, a taxi you just say okay google order a taxi for me and it's it's gonna do it all for you um so there's going to be no need for a for a visual interface, and I feel like I'm not. I'm not sure how much design is happening behind the scenes to make something like that happen. Well, it's uh, it's yeah. Um, okay. You said something. Yeah, now. you said <laughs> you said some really, you know, huge things here, right? Uh, so let me let me. Okay, first thing that comes to mind, right? First thing, first thing is a song. The video killed the radio star, right? <laughs> so basically what happened is this. People thought, oh, wow, we have video now. The radio is just going to be, it's going to vanish. But then we noticed that, no, certain things do not leave us, right? Because even today, people are consuming this podcast through audio only when we could have been on video. So so the, the audio remained. Now, did it remain because of what you're saying? It's too powerful that any even time we deviate from it we will go back to it because this is it this is the ultimate is consumption through through voice and, and audio or is it because some things just have their existence and in that case i would say the screen is not going the graphics is not going anywhere they will still be there i think i think as mm -hmm. a you know as a human being we have you know multiple senses to interact with the world one of them is the visual one, and that's not going to go anywhere. As much as we want to do multitask, and once we multitask, the, the well, let me put it this way. When we hear stuff, we could, we could do multitasking with, 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 uh, uh, with, with the hearing sense, 
with audio, but you cannot do multitasking with, with video, with visual things. And this is where sometimes we tend to go to the audio as a, you know, as a way to, because we're trying to do multi things, but the video is not going to go anywhere and it's stronger, right? The image is really stronger than what you would hear. It's almost, yeah, mm -hmm. but it's, it's also, it has been actually, it has been in the past, even more, more, um, uh, more, it has more truth than, than what you hear. Well, a picture is worth a thousand words. Exactly. So just, so, uh, just for yeah, that. So okay. again, so I, it's either either because this audio is so powerful, which I I think it's powerful, but I think it's just the capabilities of what you achieve with 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 the with the audio, with with hearing, um, you can actually get more in the multitasking. This is why it's still it's so present today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. It's it's not gonna suddenly disappear because. Um, voice might be great for doing something, for acting on something, but there's always going to be a component of visualizing information and mm -hmm. even having Siri read my text messages to me, it, I, it's not a very pleasant experience for me. Maybe it's because, because uh, Siri doesn't do a very good job of anything outside of the US, but... Um, a big part of, of, of design is, is showing information and it's not only having the user act on something that's true um, but there is you know AR glasses are on the horizon um, and it, it's also a com I think a completely different way of designing things uh, which I, currently I don't have any experience with you know if I think if someone was starting with design today they'd probably be looking into 3D design because you're going to be designing for, for 3D spaces, I think. Well, you said something important um, before the 3D, right? You said, uh, so with, with the audio part, so we're here with our ears, obviously, and we can still communicate. We can, we can have the, 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 there's the input and output. We can, when we, we speak, that's our input, right? Mm -hmm. But with the visual, yeah. we're simply receiving, right? We don't... We don't have to mm -hmm. kind of, our, at least my eyes don't, don't shoot at laser, right? So we don't have any way to input with our with our eyes, right? So we can only input with. Well, yes. Oh yeah, I know. we're talking about the normal people here, <laughs> not your arrow. No, no. I mean, uh, 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 focus tracking for where the eyes are looking is is a very special part of accessibility, so that uh, the the mouse pointer moves mm -hmm. where the people are. Yeah. But you know, yeah. generally speaking, yeah. Yeah. yes, please. No, sorry. It's like yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. I had to go ahead. It's more and, challenging. And, you know, <laughs> it's more challenging. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. It's more challenging, um, and it's more like an assumption that okay, if I'm looking left, that means you know my attention is on the left. Okay, yeah, for my visual attention is on the left, but um, it's not like me trying to say A B C D. It would be more difficult to communicate that with with just my my eyes because my eyes again, I, mm -hmm. I, physically I'm not changing stuff. But physically, like there is like. The, 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 the light mm -hmm. is it's coming from the outside into hit my 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 eyes my mm -hmm. uh, so there's one direction in a sense and yeah mm -hmm. i think the next step of input there would probably be elon musk's mm -hmm. brain chip mm -hmm. you know directly connecting your brain with some kind of ai or server yeah but good thing everybody's that's, that's... getting vaccinated now with the 5g so we'll be <laughs> <laughs> we don't need the chip anymore right <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, if that if that is to work, then yeah. If if the Elon Musk's uh, you know uh, initiative, then uh, yeah, even the <laughs> even the sensors we have now, then we would not need them. That means the thought mm -hmm. would would would, uh, would control things. Which, uh, if it is to happen, it's nowhere close, in my opinion. Uh, I would say it's a. It's almost impossible. Look, I, I, I agree. You you guys took it exactly uh, where I was, you know, uh, headed as well. Is in a, in a world where you have neural links, in a world where you have um, 3D interfaces, in a world where the interface sort of disappears in literally in your into your senses. What is the role of the designer? What will it be? And then you know, bring it back into today and ask yourself the question, what 
is the job of a designer and even then it's something very difficult to pinpoint because because you could say i can make a machine that works without a designer right mm -hmm. and then you say but what does the designer do they help you to you know to do it in an easier way so all so fast forward back into the future yes engineers will come up with a way to um link your brain to some kind of command thing but then there will be these designers coming and saying like, well, you do, you're doing something wrong. It can be done better. And it's not a, a technical thing, right? It's more of a cognitive thing. And maybe if you then come back to today again, like without neuralink, maybe that's what our designer friends are doing. They're taking our solutions, like our technical solutions, and they're they're approaching it from an, a completely different perspective, like the uh, like a cognitive perspective, you know? Where, why is the button there? Why is it bigger? Because they're thinking in psychology, I think, right? Mm -hmm. They're not thinking like yeah. in, in code. We're thinking in, oh, can I make this more efficient? You know, does it write there? Does it store there? Whatever. But uh, I think that's why it's so difficult to pinpoint what a designer is. The designer is the person that brings the human psychology to the product, whether this product is physical or digital, doesn't matter. They're human like ambassadors coming to the technology and to me that is um uh, a timeless thing as well because one thing you told me about design is how important it can be to solve these problems we don't even know exist such as where you gave the example of the the car jams like the traffic jams that exist outside of antwerp uh like the city of antwerp they, they used to have a lot of traffic jams right and what did they do kevin <laughs> Um, the, the, they changed the arrow position on the, on the road signs. So above the Antwerp Highway or the, the ringway, they, the signs used to be, uh, used to have the, the destination along with an arrow, um, above the lane and the arrow was pointing down and back in 2015 or 2016, they changed the position of the arrows to point up and it reduced uh, traffic jams by half or something like that. Like a significant and impact on the number. And yeah, it was, it was a very significant impact. Um, and the theory there was that having the arrow pointing down was making, or was making people think that they didn't have enough time to switch lanes. So they made some drastic maneuvers, which was causing either accidents or traffic jams. Whereas if the arrow was pointing up, it signified to people that, okay, I need to change lanes sometime in the next one or two minutes. And people took their time to take their maneuvers and it resulted in less traffic but jams. But isn't this, isn't this again psychology? Yes, it, it's pure psychology. Um, it's, it's the way people interpret information and it can be a very small change which has a significant impact. Yeah. yeah. Well, we we also do things that have uh, small changes that have significant impact and alter the psychology of people when they start cursing because <laughs> there is like a bug or a crash. <laughs> but uh, you, you know. Uh, well, the, I want to say something actually uh, about the um, the neural link before we jump out of that. Um, although we already deviated a bit, so I think I think our senses. I mean, if we if we say we can just with our mind um, communicate, um, then there is no need for a human being at all in that case, because once you know how you don't use your senses and you remove then, you know, all what is well, then you remove even the, the graphic designer or, you know, and you remove everything you interact with, which means now the information comes in to the to the mind and the mind processes it and sends it out. Well, maybe we can process this somewhere else. It doesn't have to come to you anymore. Why would it come to you? I think it comes to us because of the, I think we we, we, uh, we have a, um, a special processor, let's say, that's built out of a lot of experiences in life. And out of that, we take in inputs uh, and, and generate some outputs. Um, and if we say now, the mind will get its input just you know, with with Bluetooth, right, with 5G, uh, and mm -hmm. then send it back out the same way without having to even 
use your eyes to look at something nice or or use your hands or listen to something or, or voice something then maybe maybe our presses then you end up with a brain in a jar yeah you know, a brain that, in the jar with the with the synthetic inputs well what would the it designer won't be a special process designer would design what's good the, yeah, the designer would design what what you perceive yeah. right so the processor that the special president each one of us is built out of lot of experiences so if you simply input stuff like digitally <laughs> input stuff into the mind and then expect an answer well then at some point you can simply use a literally like hardware uh unhuman uh, machines to but what kind of society would that result in because um if anything you do can be done with your Neuralink chip a lot of jobs that require manual input through a, a UI would practically happen instantly in your brain. Um, someone who can um, process 100 transactions in a day. Uh, but but I, I need to look. I need to stop you there. <laughs> so <laughs> you're going the thing. too deep into this. No, no, no. You know, like I need to stop your train of thought because I think you're wrong. It's not because I would be connected to Neuralink that I can suddenly write a book really fast. So, for example, um, taking an example of a book, um, you know, like um, the, the book I've published, I worked on it for years, and uh, the the time that goes into it is not like sitting down and writing it word by word. Because if you do it that way, you can finish a book in in a week, okay? But it is an iterative process because the the output is a thought process that needs maturing inside your head. So the Neuralink can only, you know, export the words, but it cannot export the idea because the idea is still gestating inside your head. So I think what the Neuralink could do is at a certain point, like if they could hook it up to Photoshop is instantly show you and people around you like what the designer is thinking, but that's not the right solution. It still needs to gestate inside your head yeah. before it comes to like iterations and you say, oh, no, this is more what I mean. And the more input you get, the, the better of an output you make. This is the same, same goes for developing software. So if you're gonna, if you're going to measure the performance or the, uh, the ROI of a developer based on the number of words they type in, you're gonna have a really bad time because type like being a fast typist doesn't make you a fast programmer and what the Neuralink is going to do is just make you a really really fast typist that's it it's not going to make you a faster programmer no, I, I think I think that's that's the initial step I think we, we deviated a lot from the topic but okay I think that's just um, that's an initial step and then once we are there when you become a fast typer then we can start looking into other things as well because now what happens is when you don't use your senses, your experiences that shape you and make you who you are are going to be minimized because everything will come in through 5G now. And so it's all controlled. So that's even that what you add in addition to the, so the, the, the non-typing part with time, that won't, won't be, that won't be any different. Because you're you now you're simply not programmed in a special way like uh, you know Kevin would not be the Kevin right he'd be like just yeah uh, the subprocessor that we we simply with the same inputs coming in just like any other person right Kevin Bob uh, <laughs> anyway I think <laughs> okay. I think yeah so so yeah what so again let's let's not go that far so um, so Kevin you mentioned you mentioned like probably that you see that the next thing is for us to interact more with voice, like we say Siri. And uh, so what, what do you think? How would someone uh, deal with that? Someone who's into the, the design uh, design business? Um, um, I, I can't really answer that because I don't know myself. Yeah. Um, uh, I've, I've worked on um, building a chatbot but I felt like there was very little impact that I had on that project. And it was more the developers that were training the chatbot that, that were at the reins of that project. Um, and a chatbot, which is a, a text-based interface and an audio interface is also text-based, but just spoken text. 
the, the parallels between make me suspicious of having a, a valuable impact in, in audio-based interfaces. Mm -hmm. So I can't say, you know, if you want to start with audio interfaces, oh. I can't really point anyone in the right direction because I don't know myself. Okay. But I'm not worried about it necessarily because like you said, the visual part isn't going to go away anytime soon. There's always going to be screens. Definitely in, in my lifetime, I think it's it's not going to go. I'm not going to uh, run no, out of now the job. You, now you jinxed it. <laughs> in two years from now, we won't have screens anymore. I don't have Kevin to thank for it. Hey, Ke Kevin, um, I, you know, I have a question for you. Um, when, one of the funniest memes I've ever seen about uh, being a designer is uh, this price list that somebody made and it says uh, I design and you watch is uh, <laughs> X euro and then I design you give me advice it's more expensive and mm -hmm. I design and you you know uh, you tell me what to do it's that much more expensive and the most expensive one is um, you design and I watch is the most expensive one and yeah. I think it reflects the idea that uh, designers uh, in, they get a lot of meddling from the customers, mm -hmm. right? So when yeah. you're when you're in software, um, a lot of what you do seems like magic. They can't really meddle with it. It's, you know, the customer is not very likely to come in and say, "Hey, I want you to you know write it this way or do it that way." But because again, design is so much closer to what humans do and understand. Do you feel this is true? Like, is there more exposure to meddling from the uninitiated yeah. and people that? Uh, uneducated um, opinions definitely um, everybody has an opinion on on whatever it is you're designing and as a designer it's your responsibility to take all of that feedback and then select okay this is something this is valuable feedback and this is some, something that we're not going to act on at all um, and in the past I've I've had projects with a lot of meddling and, and one particular project earlier in my career, it was, it was uh, a project that more or less convinced me to start going freelance. Um, I, was, I was designing a large order management system and the system that was in place was designed two decades ago and was completely built in-house by that company's um, IT department. So you can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah, it must have been what awesome. it looked like. Yeah. <laughs> like fifteen buttons uh, in a row, one of yeah. them in a different color. <laughs> um, so I spent about a year with with their team trying to redesign that product, and I had weekly calls scheduled with people from the company. But it was a multinational, so the com people calling in were from different offices, and the the workflow from office from an office in the US was different than the workflow from an office in Belgium but they were all using the same tool but in a different way and every single one of them had had very strong opinions on how the new product should be designed and every time i suggested something the the standard response was no um, it should be like this because it's always been like this mm -hmm. and I, I was quite a bit younger and and a lot more inexperienced um, so eventually I stopped making suggestions and I essentially stopped being a designer and started being a, a pixel pusher for the client. And as you might expect, the, the end result of the redesign was, was very bad. Um, so it taught me that you have to manage the, you have to manage the feedback and you have to be, mm -hmm. um, you have to be willing to say to the client, no, what you're saying is wrong. And mm -hmm. this is why you're wrong or not necessarily saying they're wrong, but saying what I'm proposing is better. And this is why it's better. Mm -hmm. And it's something I've learned throughout the years um, and quite a bit more as a freelancer um, to, to actually convince a client why my solution works better. It, it's articulating 
your design design decisions. And it's not only clients. If you're working in a, in a software company, there is feedback from not only the user, but also there's feedback from product managers, there's feedback from developers, there's feedback from maybe even the CEO. Um, and it's, it's just a constant stream of, of feedback and you need to be open to it, but you also need to decide for yourself what you're doing with that feedback. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense um, uh, because Med, you remember the, the cone of bad news uh, that, that we always talk about. Uh, so the cone of bad news is that there is this uh, upside down pyramid all the way at the bottom you have like infrastructure like your uh, database or storage service or whatever then you have like your your backend then your authentication system and we as the mobile team we sit way up in that pyramid because <clears throat> we're basically an interface to the services that uh, somebody exposes right and because we are all the way at the top, the surface area that we cover is larger. That means if there's something that goes wrong in, in the storage layer, it will be exposed in the mobile application because we are consuming the service and it looks like the mobile application doesn't function properly, whereas the problem might be much l more lower in, in the infrastructure, right? So you're actually, uh, your design is, is even on top of that. So the area you cover in the, in the cone of bad news is, is, even, <laughs> is even bigger. Uh, I would think. Well, I, yeah. I, I, th I yeah. think I'm, I'm guilty um, a bit in, 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 um, in meddling with the, with, the, with the designers in some cases. Um, but um, and I think it has to do with trust. Um, situation is like, for example, I might need to get um, a small, I suppose I need um, uh, a logo, just a logo done. So no big branding, nothing, just something simple. Well, to me, it's simple, right? But then I might say, like, hey, be creative, but make it flat and um, try to use only, you know, um, um, you know, like, for example, make sure it's, 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 it looks good in a circle and, and, and um, uh, you know, um, you know, kind of things like that um, or, or no letters and, you know, so it, I, I might give some guidance, but that's because um, I'm, in these cases, I was kind of working with people that I didn't know, right? Uh, I didn't know at all. So someone crossed the, crossed the globe, you know, we say, hey, let me get something quick, cheap, um, uh, be, because it's not so important. But again, I'm still trying to get the best out of it, right? So that's what I have to middle with it. Mm -hmm. but, um, I think if it has to do with trust. Meaning if I have to, for example, if I have to work with you or someone say no, the, the, the work, then I'll be like, hey, you know, you have a, uh, a green light, you know, um, you know, be creative, mm -hmm. you know, be yourself. That's it. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, I, do, I think when I work with people, um, whether it be developers or if it's a client that I'm designing a website for, I, I try to create a space where they, they feel comfortable voicing their opinion as well. Um, because you know, everyone looks at things from a different perspective. Um, the developer has a very unique way of looking at an application, and the user has a is is in a very different mindset when using the actual application. Um, so, I'd rather have a um, hundred user stories of feedback, where eighty of them are worthless, than having mm -hmm. no feedback user stories at all or only having five useful feedback user stories um yeah hey i want to i want to uh close up um because we were over our time unfortunately it just always happens we'll close up with some good news for met if you uh want to have a logo designed or you know have some graphic work and you want something really good uh the good news is kevin is available for missions right now missions to Mars yeah uh, <laughs> no uh, I am looking for for new projects right now um, I, I've been doing a few smaller side projects um, for the past few months but I'm looking for a new long-term position maybe something at a startup startup maybe something inside a, an enterprise um, because in I like I like variety in my work Mm -hmm. um, and 
I found that the best balance is having one long-term project um, for three, six, nine months or even longer. I've had clients for two years sometimes. Um, but combining the long-term project with smaller projects on the side. The smaller projects generally feed the, your creativity, mm -hmm. I think. Whereas the long-term projects, you can go really deep on the process and the methodology. And, and I like having the combination. But right now, I'm, uh, I don't have a long-term project, so. Okay. Hey, where, where could people who are interested in, uh, in a, a digital designer for a, a long-term project reach you? Or a short-term project, whatever. On my website, uh, it's kevindendevil.com. Um, I've been working on a new portfolio for quite some time. And I'm not sure when this goes live, but I think when it goes live, the new version should be online. And uh, if it's not, you know, just reach out to me and and mm -hmm. let's start talking. Um, okay, that's kevindendevil.com. I'm going to um, also put your URL in the show notes, which I have trouble making them appear in my podcast applications or in my Spotify. But I'll also uh, tag you on uh, LinkedIn because uh, for some reason... <laughs> That's where we distribute the, the show mostly. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, Medzian, where can people reach you? Um, can you reach me at madmed.com? Um, yeah, that's it. That's M -A -D M -A -D M -A -D -D dot com. Yeah. Com, yeah. I'm on baikal.be, B-A-Y-K-L.be. Kevin, thank you very much uh, for spending time with us and explaining us a little bit more about your life and about your work. Thank you, Kevin. Mm -hmm. It's been it's been a good talk. So I hope to have you back on the show in the future. And those of you at home or in the car or wherever you listen to us, thank you for listening. Catch you next time. Right, take Bye. care. Bye.